and welcome to the first episode of the pep talk and this is hosted by sam and jason two bald frauds who are happen to be also man city fans just like our coach pep guardiola and um we're coming from i am coming from cincinnati ohio in america and jason where are you coming from Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. So two opposite end of the glo- globe. Yep. Neither in Manchester. Um, yep. And two bald frauds. <laughs> and two bald frauds. Exactly. <laughs> we are the bald frauds. Um, so we're going to kind of give you a small little overview of what this podcast is about. And then we'll jump right into it. So, uh, all right, Jason. How did you become a fan of Manchester City? Um, probably about you now. Oh, it's been a while. At least twelve years, I'd say thirteen years, something like that. And you know, um, I never used to watch football back in the day. Um, and then started a bit later. Um, I had a lot of friends that followed football, and then from that just got into it. And now I'm so deep, and you know, I'm doing podcasts. I'm, I'm doing analysis, I'm doing financial analysis, I'm creating football financial dashboards on Twitter. So I've gone I've gone way into the deep end of uh, of anything related to football. So that's my little story on how I became a city a fan of Manchester City. Um you know, when you're when you're an overseas fan, you generally tend to end up following one of the big clubs and I have a lot of friends that follow, you know, your Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United. Um, you know, I think Manchester City is a, the new cool kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that. <laughs> At least we're uh, our fan base looks to be gaining a lot of support, just because you know if you're good, people are gonna follow you. That's yeah, it's natural. How it goes. It's natural. Uh, for me, it didn't even start because we were good. Just you know, it was it was more like a bit different. Um, you know, it, it it's always weird how you start becoming a fan of a club, you know. You watch a few games and then you go, kind of like this. And then you just get more and more into it and then you suddenly you're attached. Like I said, 10 years later, you're doing podcasts and deep diving into financial dashboards and God knows what. <laughs> Scouring the Twitterverse for any transfer rumors that may or may not be true. Yeah, that too. Oh, my God. I've, I've you know, 3 a.m., you know, watching games. Uh, you just You end up in the deep end, like I said. And then, yeah, like I said, we're doing podcasts now and two, two of us sitting in two different countries, but it's all fun. That's what, that's the whole point of it. You know, it's, you get, you go in deep and you end up loving it. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the fun part of this sport is there's always something going on. Always. Yeah. Yeah. It's always keeping you busy somehow. Always, always. Um, so how I became a city fan um, is probably not very dissimilar to other American city fans. So I don't know about Australia, but is, is, I guess, do you guys call it soccer or football? You guys call it soccer too, right? Um, some people call it football and some people call it soccer. So, okay. but it, it generally is called soccer in Australia, but a lot of people still call it football. Um, it's a bit weird because we've got so many other footballs similar to how you guys in America have American football. We've also got rugby league, which we call football. Don't how don't understand how that works. You know, if if you tell English fans that we call 
you know, rugby league football, they'll just be like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? Because they've got rugby league over there as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird thing. But some people call it a football. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for the purpose of my talking about how I became a SETI fan, I'm going to call it soccer just in case any of you English fans get angry at me. I'll, it's to <laughs> distinguish that from regular football, which I will talk about, or American football. Um, so, I never grew up a soccer fan. You know, here in America, soccer is um, what everybody plays when they're a little kid, but they're that's all they do. They don't really follow the sport. It's just, you know, when you're five years old, you go play youth soccer with all your friends, and that's usually it. And then by the time you're 10, 15 years old, you're not really playing anymore. So that was me growing up. I was never very good at soccer. Um, I was a lot better at basketball and football. And I used to play football in high school, which was a much bigger thing. I mean, football is the biggest sport in America. Yep. And so growing up, I was always a massive football and basketball fan. Always football and basketball. NFL, college football, college basketball, and NBA. It's just... I've always been a sports nut. It's just... Never really followed soccer. Uh, I also like video games. So I just started playing FIFA maybe in 2010, 2011-ish. Um, really started playing it more. And you just, you know, you get to know who the good players are, but that's all you really know. And I didn't really have a team. And then probably around the 2012-2013 range, I just loved playing with Manchester City. Always loved playing with them. You know, back in the day when you had Jekko and Balotelli and all those boys, young Aguero and young David Silva and Nasri, all those guys. And even, I'll tell you what, Stefan Jovetic was a <laughs> FIFA god. I mean, he was <laughs> incredible in FIFA, stunk in real life, but he was great in FIFA. And so I just liked playing with him in FIFA and then... I figured, hey, might as well watch some games. I know who these guys are, at least. And it was probably the last season of Pellegrini when I really started watching them. Um, just, you know, and and also, the games aren't as easily accessible to get in America. I would say that as well. Like, they're, you have to really go looking for them. When it comes to NBA or NFL, they're on every channel all the time. Whereas with soccer, it's like, you have to buy this subscription or you have to go look at some random TV channel just to find them. So it's they're, they're much it's be, more accessible now. It's become easier now, hasn't it? Much easier, much easier. Yeah. So now you can basically get every league except for probably the hardest league to find out of the big leagues is the French League. Um, still don't know how to even get that, but not like I care. And uh, yeah, I mean, that it just kind of culminated from there and... Uh, watched a lot more in the Pel last Pellegrini year, and then kind of when Pep took over, it really I was like every single game Ad I'm addicted. Um, yes, addicted. <laughs> absolutely addicted. Yeah, that's and that's now, how it comes. Yeah, and now I'm way more into it probably than um, than NFL football or basketball. It's yeah. just incredible, incredible. So it's crazy how it becomes. Crazy. Well, yeah. now that now that everyone knows the story and a bit of background, um, I think we should dive in into the Newcastle game and that result. You know, I think the the, the way we're going to do these podcasts, we're just going to 
you know, we probably do what, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, and we'll generally talk about the games coming up, a um, bit of a review on the game, a bit of tactic talk on what happened in the game, which is your specialty, um, and then if if there are any needs or any big transfer rumors, well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about it for briefly. But I think today we'll just focus on um, the Newcastle review, um, and then we'll go from there. So, you know, talking about the Newcastle game, what do you, what do you, what were your first thoughts when you seen the lineup? So my first thought was, you know. This was a quote-unquote traditional back four. So when I saw the lineup before we actually kicked the ball, um, I thought, okay, this is going to be the quote-unquote build-up in the 3-2 at the back, which, by the way, it's kind of more pronounced this year, but we've always done it, either in a 3-2 or in a 2-3. We, we've always done it in some way. It's just it seems a lot more uh, obvious this year. So... I figured we were going to build up in a 3-2, and with that traditional back four, I expected Walker to play high and wide, and then Ake, Diaz, and Akanji across the back three, and then Gundogan to kind of drop in next to Rodri as the double pivot. But, um, like how it normally happens when you're looking at Pep Guardiola, I was very, very wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just standard. <laughs> Yeah, and so we built up in a 2-3, so it was almost like a regular 4-3-3. I mean, we had um, Walker and Ake kind of at the same level as Rodri. They weren't narrow, though. They weren't next to Rodri. They were a little wider, not super wide, but a little wider. So it almost looked like a traditional 4-3-3, and and Gundogan and De Bruyne were both uh, quote-unquote traditional eights in that sense. Yeah, so... So yeah, so from 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 my end, all, all the first thing I noticed was that Odin was starting, and that just instantly I was like, "Yeah, I'm happy." <laughs> That's all I wanted to see. I wanted to see that Foden was starting, and when I seen him starting, I'm like, "Thank God." Um, and I think you know, and we'll talk about his first goal, but he's it just goes to show, and he's and in the way he played in that game, how integral he is to our success going forward. I think. Um, what do you think of his goal? Just, just curious because like i was i almost jumped out of my seat so of course that's the nerd in me everybody else because everybody that's what their reaction was like oh my gosh yes foden starting again he's had a couple great games and my reaction was huh i wonder how we're gonna build up of course that's like you know i guess i guess i wouldn't <laughs> be surprised at that point but um i mean foden's goal was just incredible the kind of the build-up to it was great and then he just did what he does best. He's just, what I love about him is how direct he is. Because uh, we're, we're sort of missing that in his team. And, you know, we'll talk a lot about this over the coming podcast about the sort of balance between controlling a game and being more direct and really attacking. And Foden just exemplifies that. And he kind of found it perfectly, you know, when he's one-on-one with Dan Byrne. That's not really yeah. a matchup that Byrne is going to favor very much. And he just... You know, dances around five different guys and scores, and that's. I think that's why Foden has the potential to be the best player on this team, just because I don't know if anybody it, else on the team can really do that. Yeah, it just it just opens up so much space for us. Like, you know, as soon as he starts driving, it it just and 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 I've said this before, but it puts fear into the defenders. I don't feel you know like Myers and Grealish have a bit of fear, but you know, the opponents don't 
the defenders don't I don't feel like they respect Mares and Grealish's shot enough. Unlike Foden. Foden has that directness, that quickness, that agility, and then because he's such a natural finisher, you have to always be on your toes. Because he can create as well, so he can pull off a nice pass to Harlan or someone else to score. So just him being on the pitch, I feel like changes the entire way we play and it's for the better, you know. And, you know, we, you know, Pep was saying like he's been injured and he's had ankle injury problems. And I think there was a report that just came out the other day that said, you know, he's still got pain and whatnot. And I was like, oh God, please, <laughs> please don't, please, please heal. <laughs> so so just on the, on the Foden bit, you know, because with Mares, I feel like, I feel like he's been a Champions League player. I got Leipzig coming up next week. Would you start Foden or would you start Mahrez in that game? On the right wing. I think Grealish is I think Grealish is starting no matter what. I think I feel yeah. like he's too he's playing too well not to start. So I feel like it's between Foden and Mahrez. But so we got the big Champions League game next week. We have to win to, to go through. Would you start Foden or would you start Mahrez that game? Yeah, I mean I definitely would Grealish isn't going anywhere. He's in this team. He's playing great. He's yep. doing exactly what Pep wants him to do and He's kind of the balance between uh, Mares and Foden. He's got a little bit of both. You know, he's not as dynamic as Foden, but he can make some of those dynamic runs. But he's got a lot of the control that Mares does. So he, he's sort of a uh, a little bit of both. Honestly, it's tough, but I would probably start Foden as long as his ankle's okay. I think that's the caveat. Um, and that's why I think Mares will probably start this weekend, is my guess is because maybe give Foden a little bit of a rest. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, the Foden, no matter where he gets the ball, he would scare the other opponent. That's what I was thinking the only time I've ever had to root against him, which was when England played the U.S. in the World Cup. And just every time he touched the ball, it scared the living hell out of me. And that's the feeling you get when you play against Messi. Like, that's... He and yeah. Pep even alluded to it. Like he's that kind of player where he's just like you don't know what's gonna happen. He could just make one pass or dribble past five guys and he's through. And that's just sort of the the fear you get, and you don't get that with many players of just uh oh. I don't care where he he could be getting it in his own penalty box and you could be scared. You yeah, I'll be honest. I like was shocked because <laughs> we've been like in this the last three months. We've just been like in this control, slow build up, etc. I was shocked to see a player just go, you know, balls to the wall and just go straight in. And I was like, I haven't seen that for a while. And it's like it was a breath of fresh air. So yeah, to me, I think he has to start against Leipzig. It'll be it'll be interesting because yeah. because Myers has been Pep's Champions League staple i feel if that, if that makes sense and he always starts those games because he gives a bit of both but yeah the way Foden's playing he has to start like yeah and we're at home too like you yeah Foden fades off on him we're at home yeah, yeah pep goes for it when we're at home too like he's always more conservative on the road and you know yeah tied at leipzig we're at home now you got to have the stockport boy at home and he's just got but at the same time too that's Kind of the tough part is Mares has always been incredible in Champions League matches for us. Like it's yeah. it's almost like he's a different player in the Champions League. So I still think Foden's gonna start, but um, you know, if he's maybe not a hundred percent, wouldn't surprise me if Mares was there. But Foden, as long as he's a hundred percent, he's gotta start. He, yeah. he just has to. 
Yeah, so going back to the Newcastle game, um, were you happy with overall performance in that first half? Uh, the first half, I think so. I mean, we were quick to build up. Like we, and I'll get to this more in, in the tactics talk, but essentially we played really quickly and I like that, but also... I think I think just jump into the tactics, Xen. Go for, go for your 10-minute bold fraud tactic talk. Go for it. Fraud <laughs> <The bold laughs> tactic talk. So, uh, it's mostly going to be about the first half, but essentially, like, I can see why the buildup was a 2-3 more than a 3-2, because essentially they were pressing with their front five, and by having... There's a little more space into the number eights. So essentially they would pull up with their five and their five instead of in the three two where the two were very narrow, the three across were a little wider. And there was more room for Akanji and Diaz to pass in between the lines to the eights who were kind of diagonal and there was just a, a lot more space there. And we saw it a lot with Akanji. Um, we saw it a ton with them. So... A kanji to Gundogan happened four or five times, and it created some of the most dangerous chances. He did it twice, resulting in the Foden goal. So in the lead-up to that one, he did it twice, where he passed it right through to Gundogan, progressed us down the field. I think we lost it, but we easily won it back because we were so high up the field. And then he did it again. It ended up to Rodri, who switched it to Foden, and Foden did the rest. So, um, And, you know, we saw with De Bruyne a lot, too. De Bruyne was not nearly at his best. I think we all can agree you know, on I that, think I think that was one of his worst performances I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he he was he was not good, but you know what happened? He got the ball a lot with a ton of space and he was just misplacing his passes. Like that that was kind of the pro or his decision making was wrong. But you know, if the game plan is let's find Kevin De Bruyne in a ton of space. That's a pretty good game plan most of the time. So you can't really at least fault the plan for that. And I think just the, the tactics in that way to progress up the field worked well because I think we forget, like, Newcastle has the best defense in the Premier League right now. And so uh, a lot of that is because they're really organized and they're pressing. And I think we did a very good job of playing out from that. And that... Really, you know, like I said, helped us get our first goal. And then, um, you know, when they, we'll get to the second half. But essentially when they subbed on, we lost a little control. Then, you know, Bernardo comes on, changes the game. But does it concern you how Kevin De Bruyne is playing? Um, do you think it's a concern or do you think it's just a little blip? I think think it's a little blip it'll be a concern if i see it for a couple more matches because i don't know he's just kind of looked off of it this entire year it seems like like those are passes he makes in his sleep and it's like he kicks it right to the opponent every time or or even like through balls to holland him and gundogan had a couple where they just kick it too early and i know the 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 emphasis has been on trying to find holland in behind but it's like they're they're going too early they're or they're putting too much weight or not enough weight or something like that. So um, I would say that I'm not worried yet, but um, I can always reserve my judgment on that. What do you think? Yeah. Do you think, do you think he's, it's something to worry about or it's something he should be set on the bench for a game or two? 
I, I think for Kevin De Bruyne, I think we we're at that point where at his age, I don't think we can do. I don't think he can play three games a week at the highest level anymore. So, um, it'll, he'll kind of need to either need to change his role a bit or um, or, or you know, do something different with, with the way we play him because I feel like he's played so much football over the last five years, whether it be for, you know, national team and and, and at City. Martinez, you, you terrorist, <laughs> playing <laughs> playing him 90 minutes against God knows who. <laughs> you in know, a friendly. In a friendly that has yeah. no effect. Like, it just drives me nuts, but let's not talk about that. But yeah, I feel like he's played a lot of football. So it's kind of catching up and he's, he's not... You know, he's what he's be thirty-two, I think, by this summer. So yeah. he's 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 at that age where, you know, we can start expecting him to start dropping off a little bit, similar to when David Silva and Yaya Turi. It's natural, you know. You know, father time is un, un, undefeatable. So, um, it's all it was always going to come. Um, so I feel like we just need to manage his minutes probably a little bit better. I don't think he can play. I think, you know, when, when we have the opportunity to sub him off at 60, 70 minutes in games that are in control, I think we should start doing that. Um, I feel like Pep's trying to play him back in form. So that's what he's, that's what I, that's my feeling. Um, because obviously we're at the home stretch of the season. So we kind of need him at his best. Um, and I feel like if we get Kevin De Bruyne at his best with Foden now coming back into his form, um, you know, I think we'll, that's what, that's exactly what we need for this home stretch of the season. But I feel like we just need to, Bring his minutes a little bit down. Play him a bit, bit, little bit less. Don't play him in the, in in the FA Cup. Avoid him in those certain games where we can say, okay, um, you know, I think he played against Bristol, right? So he played the full ninety minutes, um, and I think, and that, yeah. that's a clear indication of Pep trying to get him back into form. But you can see that, yeah, it gets him back into form, but he can't play back to back because it's just, I feel like he's he's missing that step now. He doesn't have that full ability probably to recover as well. You know, who knows? It, yeah, at the end of the day, the training staff and the medical me- medical team at City is probably one of one of the best, so they probably know a lot better than I do. But I just feel that we're at that point. We're starting to get to that point where it becomes a little bit worrying. But I think you know, class is permanent, as they say. So I feel like he'll um he'll still come good. It's just about when. <clears throat> and he did the same thing last year. I think last season, um, you know, prior to that stretch where he was just scoring literally put us on his shoulders for the rest of the season to, to win the Premier League. You know, prior to that, he he wasn't in the best form. He had a little blip again. So it's kind of normal for him to start having these blips in the season, I think. So mm-hmm. um, it's just about how we manage it and hopefully he hits that form when we really need it. Um, so yeah, going back to your, going back to your tactical talk, you know, do you want to start this, going to go through the second half? What were you thinking about? Especially the, the big sub and I think that was a key sub that Pep did, talking about Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of like you said, I, I completely agree with you. And I think also, you know, one thing about his game is it doesn't really translate to getting older. Like, so, some of them do. Like, Luka Modric, he doesn't rely on pace and power. Kevin De Bruyne does. So, um, I think that might fade a little earlier just because of the nature of it. He's not the metronome, kind of Gundogan-type player. I think those uh, types of midfielders can last a little longer. So, yeah. like, like you said, one thing to watch out for. And, you know, another person whose game is more suited to getting older is Bernardo Silva. And, you know, the weird thing was watching the game, like, how long do you think 
like Newcastle when they made their three subs. They they did those three subs and it looked like it completely changed the game. It looked like they were going to score three goals on us. Yeah. And then we subbed on Bernardo and it changed it again. Wh- how long do you think was in between those? <laughs> it felt like 20 minutes, but it was probably about 5 minutes. Exactly. When I was watching yeah. the game, I thought, "Wow, that is like that's forever i i really thought that and <laughs> it was i i really thought it was going to be like 10 15 minutes of them just battering us you know what it is it, it's the fear <laughs> exactly we have Foden puts the fear in us sat maximum and um jonathan isaac are fearful players they're, they're the type of players that are gonna make you fear so that's why it felt so long <laughs> yeah and it was only three minutes i'm pretty sure I'm looking it up now, but I sw- like. Was it three minutes? I, oh, it felt like an eternity, went, man. <laughs> when I went back to watch the game, it was three minutes. Let me see. Um, Saint Maximin, Isaac, and Willick were subbed on in the 63rd minute. Bernardo was subbed on in the 65th minute. And we so scored three, what? Three minutes two, later. Three minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then he scored two minutes later. He scored in the 67th minute. So wow. all of that okay. happened in the span of five minutes, and they were massive swings. I mean, I swear. It felt forever. And yeah, it did. I went back and watched it, and I'm like, wait a second. We we subbed them on almost immediately after they got on, but it felt like they had five chances in those two minutes. Oh, yeah. It's that crazy. It's that crazy. I feel like we dodged a few bullets from Newcastle in terms of, um, you know, poor like, finishing. not just poor finishing. They kind of just missed the ball, and it's like... Really? That just happened? That doesn't happen against us, you know? Like we're used to we're used to first shot, first first chance in the whole game, straight into the top corner, right right above Edison type of thing. And it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. One one. Here we go. <laughs> it, it was it was strange, it was surreal to see. It was like, ah, oh, they 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 miss kicking. Like there was a few times I was like, ah, oh, they get us all here because you know, straight on, easy, open goal, and then they just completely whiffed it. I was like, okay, it's going our way for once, which is good. Yeah, both times it was Callum Wilson on one from across. Mm-hmm. And Joe Linton, I think, just completely missed the ball. And I'm yep. thinking, like, we we don't have luck like this. No, nope. this is. And I think we deserve to win even without those misses. Um, yeah, I think we did deserve to win. I, I I don't remember the last time we've experienced um, some good fortune like that. Like I I remember, and I remember this to this day. It was against Bournemouth in Pep's second season. It was maybe the second or third game of the year. And we were playing Bournemouth. And their left back scored a worldie against us. His name was Charlie Daniels, I think. Scored a worldie. And then I think we scored... That was the that was a game where Sterling had that last-minute goal. But that's the, that's the stuff that I remember is like that. Or the Andros Townsend from however far out he <laughs> hit that thing. Like... Those are the goals I'm used to getting scored against. Not Joe Linton five yards away, just completely whiffing a wide open shot. So <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. very happy about that. Exactly. What what, what do you think of um Holland's um the way Holland played in terms of? I feel like he did really well with his build up in this game. It was a yeah. I think he's improving at it slowly, which is which is going to be scary. I think by next season we're going to see. A build up Harlan as much as a scorer Harlan. I think this year has been more like 
yeah, I'm just here to put the ball in it. But I think by next season, you know, that, you know, after that first season with Pep getting used to how you play, etc., I feel like we're starting to see it a little bit already, but I feel like by next season, we're going to see it a lot. What, what, what were your thoughts on the way Haaland, you know, was playing with his build-up? No, I agree with you. I mean, his build-up was very good. He's always been decent at build-up, but his build-up's getting better every game. And we all know we're, you get way better in your second season under Pep, so that's only going to get better. And he's, you know, he's 22 years old. Harry Kane at 22 was not a playmaker. Harry Kane now might be one of the best playmakers in the was, world. Was, was, Harry, was Harry Kane even playing for Spurs at 22? <laughs> or is he on loan somewhere? <laughs> probably, probably. I mean, like... I can't remember his breakout year. I can't remember what year it was. Yeah. I think he started fairly young at Spurs, like, and playing. So he was probably playing, but he wasn't... I mean, when you think of Harry Kane now, he's, a, like, he's an all-around playmaking striker who can yeah, also score a ton of goals. And... He wasn't doing that early in his career, and I think that's something Holland can and probably will add to his game because he's good on the ball. Like he's he's a good passer, and he's he's getting better every week in build up. And honestly, like talk about teams being scared of somebody. Like teams are scared of Holland. Like even if he doesn't touch the ball, he affects the game in so many different ways. Because you know one reason that Gundogan and De Bruyne had so much space is because the extra man that's supposed to be up on them is at the back line. Like, essentially, we had our front three being defended by four because Holland is occupying both center backs at all time. Like, anywhere he went, there was Botman and Lascelles. Any through ball, they were both there because yep. they were so scared of him. And, you know, we all love numbers. It's a numbers game. Pep loves numerical superiority. That, you know, four on three, all of a sudden you have an advantage in your buildup. And that's why De Bruyne and Gundogan had so much space is because of him. So, you know, even if he doesn't score a million goals, which he does, uh, teams are terrified of him. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with the fear factor. Um, and also, you know, I think once he adds that, I think he's starting to do that a little bit of more with his back to the goal as well, I feel. As part of his build-up, um, I think once he adds that to his game, it's, you know, adds a whole other dynamic to the way we play and how he plays because then teams will be scared of how he's going to hold up the ball because he, he does hold up the ball pretty well. Um, but he's, I feel like from where he was started the season to where he is now with his back to the goal, he's gone a lot better. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Haaland transitions, you know. Hopefully he doesn't leave yeah. to Madrid in two years as his agent's trying to hint. <laughs> I just, nah, yeah, I it's rubbish. It's it. rubbish. Yeah. yeah, it's rubbish. I feel like I, I feel like he loves. He absolutely loves Manchester City. He's in love with the club. So I feel like he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays ten years, and I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves in three. To be honest, like it's just one of those. You just don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, and it also depends on what happens with City in a couple of years. You know, we could win three Premier League titles and a Champions League or two, and he says, "Well, I've done my job here. I want to go somewhere else." Or get relegated to League Two. <laughs> yeah, or get relegated to League Two. That's, that's legal talk here on the Pep Talk podcast. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? But I all I know is I'm going to enjoy watching him. I know people were terrified from the second he signed. People are worried about whether he has a release clause. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Um, just enjoy it's, a, it's irrelevant. It, it, to me, a release clause is irrelevant. If... if if a player wants to go, City are selling him anyway. So here's your valuation. 
you know, go go find us a club willing to pay that 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 money. And it'll be the same thing with Haaland. That's your release clause. Go find us a club willing to pay it. We'll let you go. We're happy to let you go. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, overall, how do you think City played? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you think it was a fair result or? Um, um, look, I, you know? yeah, I think we deserved the win, all, all in all. And I think once we, and this is the thing, right? I think I feel like if Bernardo doesn't score when he does, I think the next twenty minutes go a lot differently because we were always trying to look for that second goal because we're so scared of the one-one. I don't think I feel like our, our entire year our defense, you know, has been a bit suspect, and we've always had that ability to let that one goal in. So I feel like we always have to score more than one goal. I don't I don't know how many one nil wins we have this season, but they're not much from from memory. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like we always have to score that second goal, and as soon as Bernardo scored, the entire dynam- dynamic of the game changed. We 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 kind of went back a little bit and said, okay, let's let's do a bit more control. Um, and it kind of changed the game a little bit, I'd say, because, you know, like I said, we've got that second goal. We're a bit more comfortable now. Um, and I think that's the, one of the one of the key things for us. But overall, the, I'd say it was a fair result. I feel like we got, like we said, we got lucky with a couple of, you know, through balls or um, crosses from the from the, from the the right where, you know, you say, have they missed that or you no know, one got on the end of it and we got, got a bit lucky. Um, but I, I'd say it's a fair result. I'd say um, you, it probably could have ended a 2-1, but, you know, um, once we got that second goal, I feel like we were in control. And, you know, just, just the point, you know, that piss-taking in the corner with with Grealish and Haaland, oh, oh Haaland of the game. It was, good, it was as good as a goal, to be honest. And and Haaland just... <laughs> Haaland... Smiling in the face. Man, I didn't think Haaland was this type of person, but he's, he's such a troll on the on the football field. He just, he just wants to cause problems for opponents and just... You know, you got Grealish and Haaland on the corner, like the two most hated players <laughs> sitting on the corner taking the piss, wasting time. It was fantastic, especially because it happened against Newcastle, who if they were in a draw or they were up 1-0, they would have absolutely wasted so much more time than we did. So to do it against them and with those two players doing it, I absolutely loved it. It was incredible. And like Jack Grealish just... I feel like just universally, he's one of those players where you hate him if he's not on your team, but you love him if he is on your team because he's just he's so annoying. He's oh yeah, so annoying. Because oh you, yeah, you, uh, he's annoying for the opponents because they try to take the ball off of him and they just can't. And he's annoying because he just he just gets right back up. I mean, like he it's almost like he likes being fouled. It's very odd. Like most players just hate being fouled. He loves it. He like, it's like his fuel, his energy to get into other people's heads. He's like, all right, I'm going to dribble inside. You know exactly what I'm going to do every time. And you're going to hack me anyways. And you're not going to get near the ball. Like there was that one um, that they showed from Casemiro where he tried to two foot tackle Grealish and he didn't even get it. Like, he wasn't even near the ball and he wasn't even near his feet. He just didn't get him at all. Cause he, yeah. So he's just, he's so annoying for that reason. And just him and Holland in the corner. And <laughs> it was, it was beautiful to watch. And then you have like Trippier over there. Who's learned the dark arts from Diego Simeone. And you have Jamal Lascelles who just looked pissed off the whole game. And it was, <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch. I love it. Give it to me every game. Yeah, man. 
Uh, it, it, it reminded me of that um, when we at United, what was it, 2017, 18, I think, and we just yeah. took the piss in the corner yeah, <laughs> for like five minutes. Dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, the, it's always it's always good to to see that and and the players enjoy it and then you know get the fans up. But it's fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, I love. So here's a question for you: After seeing what we have seen, who are our best center backs? That is the age old question. Because <sighs> you told me a month ago that Ruben Diaz was going to be our first choice. I would have laughed in your face. Really? No, I, I always thought Ruben Diaz, once fit, would be a surefire starter. I feel like we kind of forgot because he was injured for so long. Um, mm-hmm. And even the end of last year, I think he was injured as well. So he's been injured for a while. He's had a few injury problems the last, I'd say, year. But as soon as he came back into the lineup, something immediately changed in, in terms of our back line. And I've, I've done a few Twitter posts on you know, how many defensive lineups we've had this season i think at the last time i tweeted about it was like we had about 19 to 26 games right it was something nuts mm-hmm. and we've had so many different back lines and i feel like so to me diaz is our best quote-unquote defender he's probably not our best builder player he's not our best in terms of everything else but he is our best quote-unquote defender to me and also his leadership ability at the back so when we're playing Akanji and Ake, I feel like we're missing that. And I feel like once Diaz came back into that back line, something changed immediately. I think, you know, we've, we've kept two clean sheets in the last two games, right? So I remember the last time we even did that. But the point is, since Diaz has been back, the entire dynamic has changed. And even his buildup has been absolutely fantastic. From, from when Diaz first started at City, you know, one of his weaknesses was... He's not the best passer of the ball. But I feel like since from then to now, and especially now since he's come back into the team, his passing has been absolutely brilliant. He's 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 the one driving most of our progressive passes out of the back, I feel. So for me, he has to be a staple every game. You know what I mean? Like he's got to be our stalwart at the back for every big game that we've got coming forward, Premier League, Champions League, etc. He has to start for me. I'm surprised you, I'm surprised you actually thought he wouldn't. He wouldn't be one of our starting um, three centre backs. Uh, for, for me, like with the way Ark is playing, he has to start as well. Like he's he's been absolutely brilliant this year. Um, you know, but for me, in terms of pecking order, if I if you told me to you know rank our centre backs, I'd put Diaz, Stones, Laporte, Aki, Akanji. Even though I just said Aki should be starting based on form, but you know he's kind of playing that left back three at the back, left sided. Um, um, but I feel like Laporte's out of favor for different reasons. It feels like we're coming to the to the end of yeah. I feel like we're coming to the end of the Laporte um, era at um, Manchester City, which is you know it's fine. We got to shake. We got to we got to change it up a little bit. So it's fine. It's gonna it's always, it's always gonna happen. But I feel like yeah. Who, who do you who do you rate over Diaz? Who who do you? So it looks like Laporte is I mean especially I think we saw Fabrizio Romano tweet it today and hmm. um it kind of looks like he's one of those bad faces in the in the dressing room uh and so uh, I'll take you back to a month ago I guess I'm I'm guilty of being a prisoner in the moment cuz anybody who um who follows me knows that I absolutely love Ruben Diaz like I love him 
Um, and I don't know. It was more of the end of last year. I don't think he was great. The beginning of this year, I didn't think he was great. Um, he was just kind of in bad form, and I thought his passing just wasn't good enough. Um, and especially, I think it was in the Arsenal match last year, where Rodri had the, or it was Rodri or Laporte had the winning goal, and we won 2-1, yeah. but we really were not the better team in that match. No, we um, didn't deserve to win that game. One thing they did <laughs> is they picked on Ruben Diaz. Anytime he got the ball, they pressed him with everything they had, and because they knew he was the weaker of the passers, where... When you play out with Laporte and Stones, it, they're almost press resistant because they're so good on the ball. They'll just tear you to shreds. Um, I think it was Chelsea last year where everybody kept saying, like, Thomas Tuchel is parking the bus and he's playing so negatively and they didn't have a shot on target or anything. Well, the reason was because Laporte and Stones, for about the first 10, 15 minutes, tore their press apart. And he had no choice or else they were going to lose five to nothing. Like, they, he had no choice. So, um, when I look at it now, like you said, like, ever since Diaz has come back from injury, his passing has been incredible. And that has surprised me. Like, he was always, I would say, an above average passer. Um, then, you know, you know, obviously he's not Dan Byrne or something like that. Like, he's <laughs> a decent passer, but... Like, Laporte and Stones are on another level when it comes to passing and, and playing with the ball. And Diaz has found that. He, he's been very good. So, I honestly thought he would be closer to last choice about a month ago. I'm very happy I was proven wrong. And now it looks like Laporte, not probably not for playing reasons, is it looks like he may be last choice. And uh, Stones, we just hope he can stay healthy because when he's healthy, he's just absolutely incredible. If you had every player fit and available right now and you, Pep was picking a back four and it's a Champions League final, who's your centre-back center partnership? Uh, Curveball, that, that one. That playing left back? <laughs> but listen, you're a bold fraud, so you'll probably start Gundogan at... Um... <laughs> I'm, starting, I'm starting Riyad Mahrez at left-sided centre-back. <laughs> <laughs> so... This is assuming Ake is playing left back because it looks like he's basically narrowed down left back. That's fair. Fine, do that. Put put Ake at left back. He got now four center backs to choose from. Who are you starting? I would probably, if Stones is a hundred percent healthy, I would do Diaz and Stones right now. So you do Ake, Diaz, Stones, Walker as a back Walker. four. Yeah, I would yeah. probably do that, but it also kind of depends on the matchup, and it, you know, kind of depends on what Pep's thinking as well because. If he wants to do his 3-2, then it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Bernardo. Um, and it w or wouldn't uh, please, Pep, don't. Yeah. Please, Pep, do not do a Bernardo Silva left back in the Champions League final. Please. <laughs> I, thought we had, I thought we had enough false roles. <laughs> Bernardo Silva is the definition of a quote-unquote false left back. <laughs> I don't know what other fault. What are we going to have false keeper next? Like, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> Everything is false. Like there's, oh man, so weird. I but you can. It always keeps you on your toes when you're when you're looking for things tactically. There's never a boring moment. This is this is exactly my point about going the deep end, right? You know, I'm I'm stressing about things that have that potentially could happen in May <laughs> or June, I should say. <laughs> yeah, we should. Just typical Manchester City. For 
first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's worry about the last first. <laughs> All right. So yeah. just 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 to wrap up this podcast, um, you know, we're getting to the end of it, and let's just look ahead a little bit. I feel like we've kind of covered the Newcastle game. We've covered a little bit about you know the team's form, you know, a bit bit bit, of, bit about the tactics. So let's just look ahead a little bit and and, and look at the the Crystal Palace game coming up. What what do you think? We've got a week's rest, um, so a full week to recover, which is good. And then we've got a Champions League right after that game, so the, the RB Leipzig game. What would you do, and how are you feeling for this for this Palace game? Well, you know, what are you feeling? Um, honestly, it would not surprise me if we saw Julian Alvarez come in for De Bruyne again, because you know it's kind of like a 4-4-2 when he comes in, but not really. He plays kind of the same position as De Bruyne. He's a very different player. But De Bruyne a lot plays next to Holland. Like, he plays incredibly high. And so, I have a feeling we'll see Julian Alvarez just because Palace are most likely going to park the bus. Like, they are... Uh, you think they'll park it completely at home? I think so. I, I do, because Vieira plays very pragmatically against the top opponents and that's why he's good at getting results especially against us so yep. um and also i hate playing palace just neighbors to... <laughs> yeah they're the worst like I hate playing shout out to the noisy neighbors i didn't know this but check decore will not be playing either um okay. because he's on a red card apparently and he's probably their best midfielder or at least their best defensive midfielder so you have to worry about the counterattack. They have really good players to counterattack. Like as a, is Bernardo Silva suspended? Talking of suspensions, Bernard, I don't know. I I seen Sam Lee suspended for something. Yeah, I seen Sam Lee tweet about it, saying he's going to miss the, the cup game. But then if he's going to miss the cup game, he should miss the Palace game first. I think he misspoke because he said it on their podcast that he's missing Leipzig. Because like he got two yellow cards in the Champions League, I believe. So I'm not sure. Oh, um, okay. I'm not sure which one he's going to be out for. But essentially, I think we're going to go a little more direct with Palace. Because I, I think they're just going to want to hit us on the counter. I don't think they're going to want to play with us at all. And um, I think Foden might be sitting just to kind of nurse that ankle. And Mares hasn't gotten in in a couple games. So he might play. And we're going to need someone a little more direct and chaos-causing and... Here comes Julian Alvarez. So I that's kind of what I'm thinking. It as far as the back, I wouldn't surprise me to see Rico Lewis in in that 3-2 again. Um just to help, but also wouldn't surprise me to see Walker because Zaha is a handful. Yeah, I think I think I think whenever we play Crystal Palace, Walker's the starter because of Zaha. It's just they've just got too much they've just got too much pace on these wings for us to deal with. So I, I feel like you'll start Walker. Yeah, and if they start Elise, he's their right winger. Elise is actually incredible. He's like, yeah. he's very, very good. I could see him getting a move to a big club in the next year or two. But Palace have been in really bad form as of late too. So it, who knows? But it's kind of set up. This is very set up for City to go there and get a draw. 1-1? <laughs> yeah. 1-1? One, one? <laughs> uh, I sure hope not, but... Yeah, look, look, look. Palace always worry me. I like they've always been that bit of a bogey team, and you know we played them. I think it was the second game or third game of the season. I can't remember how far into the season when we played them at home, and they went up two 0 in the first twenty minutes, and everyone was losing their minds. And then we scored what four goals in the space of like fifteen minutes. That second half comeback. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we we would never do yeah, we'd never do that in past years, but I feel like um they still worry me. They still got that I've still got that fear when it comes to playing Crystal Palace. I don't know why. I guess it's just, you know, PTSD kicking in from all the games we've played them over the years. I think I think they even broke our eighteen game winning streak in two thousand eighteen as well, that draw. Yes, um, they yeah, that draw that Ederson actually saved a penalty. Yeah, that draw where we thought we were going to lose, but we ended up drawing, but they still broke our, our win streak of 18 games, right? Um, so they've always been that annoying bogey team-ish. It, we either slap them 6-0 or they like absolutely do our heads in, but lately they've been doing our heads in. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit concerned, but I think with our form and their form, we should pull off a win and I'd go, if I was, if I was you know, a betting man and I was going to put um, yeah, score prediction. I'd go. Uh, I'd probably say two nil. Yeah. Oh, actually, score prediction. Go. Ahead. I'd actually go with three one. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. It'll be three one. Damn it! That's what I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> I'll go. It's all right. You can go with it too. I would. I would. I would probably say three one or three nil. It wouldn't surprise me if we got a goal early, jumped on them a little bit, and then kind of rode out the second half, but. Who knows? I mean, I'm, yeah. In saying all that, we're we're gonna have a one-one draw. <laughs> don't don't put that on me, please. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's wrap this up. Um, if you want to find us, I am Sam, the American citizen. You can find me on Twitter at Citizen America, and you can find Jason at Blue City Brain. Um, you can find our podcast at Pep Talk Pod MCFC, or you can, if you have any comments or any feedback, you can also email us. And our email address is the Pep Talk MCFC at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, thanks everyone for, for listening, and yeah, looking forward to do this next week. Um, you know, we'll probably do one, Sam before the Leipzig game, I think, between the Leipzig game and the and the and the Crystal Palace game. So we'll do a bit of a review of the Crystal Palace game and then a little preview for the Leipzig game coming up. Yep. Alright. See you guys. Thanks. See you guys.